Listener Production. Hello, Tom Tilly with you for The Briefing, joined by Katrina Blowers. And today, uh, an interesting combination, Katrina, um, contraceptive advice and TikTok. Yeah. As we all know, the oral contraceptive pill was a huge game changer for women when it was introduced in Australia back in 1961 now. But in recent years, there's been a slow decline in its use, uh, growing concern among young women, in particular about its mental health impacts. And as you mentioned, this has led to a bit of an explosion in negative content relating to the pill on TikTok and Instagram. Girls are on their pill, please listen. Women, natural birth control isn't hard. Okay, so I've been getting a lot of questions and comments about natural family planning. When I found out Name Leaf is an all-natural birth control with no side effects. Mm, they don't really sound like experts. <laughs> They're far from it. And in this episode of The Briefing, we're going to get the lowdown from a real expert on the real impact of the pill on mental health, what risk factors to look out for and how effective those natural methods are that are being promoted on social media. All right, that'll be a very interesting one. First, here are today's big headlines. It is Tuesday, August 23. The official government legal advice into Scott Morrison's secret portfolios will be released publicly today. So News Corp's reporting the Solicitor-General's advice is scathing and sharply critical of Morrison's decision to keep Parliament, the public and his Cabinet colleagues in the dark and it will lay the groundwork for a formal investigation. The PM was given the advice yesterday but wanted to discuss it in Cabinet before releasing it publicly. It is unlikely to find that Morrison did anything illegal, meaning there's uh, more likely to be a push to change laws or protocols so it can't happen again. And this comes as a new opinion poll comes out in the nine newspapers today showing that Anthony Albanese is enjoying a 55% approval rating while Peter Dutton is at just 17% and Labor's primary vote has jumped nine points since the election from 33 to 42. So that is a massive surge, which um, is a huge honeymoon for the mm. new government because Labor only got to power on a relatively low primary vote at 33, and so they only just got the balance of power in the House. Uh, but now they're surging ahead. So you'd have to imagine, you know, short of some kind of Kevin Rudd-style catastrophe, this government could go <laughs> at least a second term, although that is a few years away. Yeah, but we do have a bit of history in this country of really loving someone when they're fresh and new, and then over time we get a bit tired of them. So I think over time even Albo may lose his shine. Yeah, well, there are some pretty dark economic storm clouds gathering over us at the moment with high inflation, interest rates putting pressure on mortgage holders. So, Mm. yeah, there could be some pain to come. Depends how they play it, I guess. Despite record low unemployment, there's been an increase in people on welfare compared to pre-pandemic levels. So more people are on welfare now compared to February 2020, when the unemployment rate was 5.1%. So it's at 3.5%. So you'd expect less people to be on welfare. And it's because there's an increasing number of mature age people who've come to rely on JobSeeker over the last decade. It's at 29% now compared to 18% back in 2012. 
Yeah, big jump. Uh, all up around 890,000 people are on JobSeeker or Youth Allowance. At the same time, the government is grappling with a shortage of workers. They're looking at bringing in more foreign workers as well as leveraging the 40% welfare recipients with disability or health issues who have some capacity to work. This is something the Social Services Minister Amanda Rishworth is looking at. She'll hold a social security roundtable this week and yesterday she held a disability employment roundtable. Authorities have seized a record 11 kilos of fentanyl, the biggest fentanyl bust ever in Australia. Now this is an opioid used in hardcore painkillers. And I don't know if you've been following this, there's been some uh, docos on Netflix about this, but it's just been doing enormous harm in North America. Yeah, so this shipment was found inside machinery that was sent to Melbourne from Canada. The audacity of uh, the group behind this is just, quite frankly, outrageous. You know, I described it as a total act of bastardry. You know, the, the impact of this on our community, had it reached the streets, it, it, it doesn't bear uh, thinking about. Yeah, those are some strong words. It's uh, rare to hear someone uh, from authorities speak with such passion. That's Border Force Commander James Watson there. The AFP says it amounts to more than 5 million doses. Yeah, no arrests have been made yet, but police believe it's linked to organised crime. And as we mentioned there, it's such a strong drug. Um, fentanyl's 80 to 100 times stronger than morphine. And just two milligrams, which is like two grains of salt, can be fatal. And the previous busts of fentanyl had only been quantities of less than 30 grams. So 11 kilos is a huge amount of this extremely powerful drug. Dr. Anthony Fauci, the US disease expert who was the face of the government response to COVID-19, is stepping down. He'll leave the job in December after more than five decades of service. Um, He's 81 years old, Anthony Fauci. He's incredibly fit, sharp and active and says he'll be leaving to pursue the next chapter of his career. Good on him. When you've got a president who's 79, you know, Anthony Fauci's only a couple of years older. Uh, At the beginning of the pandemic, he was frequently in the news. He was at daily press conferences, along with White House officials and then President Donald Trump. But then, as the pandemic worsened, Dr Fauci fell out of favour as he continued to urge caution when Trump wanted things to go back to normal. Yeah, and it all got so politicised in America, um, the, the COVID advice, even face masks. So Anthony Fauci had death threats levelled against him and was granted security detail for his protection just for doing his job. Yeah, but then President Biden chose to keep Fauci on when he was elected. So a big loss, I guess, for his, um, his inner circle there. And Prince Andrew is having a musical made about him. The UK's Channel 4 is creating an hour-long satirical TV musical. (laughs) This is ridiculous. Mm -hmm. That will reimagine the 2019 BBC interview where Andrew spoke about his ties with late child sex offender Jeffrey Epstein. These guys are going to have their work cut out for them to try and make this funny. Um, The Queen's Mm. second son stood down from royal duties following that interview. 
The royal family, I guess, has been trying to keep him out of the public eye because he reached a settlement last year with a woman who accused him of sexual assault. But it's only been like in the last week or so that he's been spending all that time with the Queen at Balmoral in what's believed to be talks to try and convince her to bring him back into the fold and give him something to do, some kind of royal duties. I can't imagine this uh, musical's going to really help things for Prince Andrew on that front. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm trying to imagine what his argument might be because it could only be downside for the royal family. It's way <laughs> too soon, if ever, to see him coming back into an official role. And as you say, he could be ridiculed for many years to come. Mm. Um, this musical might be just the start. All right, Tom, we'll catch you tomorrow. Up next, we're going to be chatting about the pill and why social media might be causing many women to ditch it. Now to our briefing on the number of women ditching the contraceptive pill and the warning to women about the natural alternatives being promoted as a replacement. We'll hear from a professor from Monash Uni in just a moment who's going to walk us through how the pill impacts on the brain and why some types can trigger depression in some women and not others and what those women most at risk can do to safeguard themselves. But first, we're joined by 25-year-old Kelsey Menzies, who says she had to go off the pill just recently when she noticed her anxiety worsening. Kelsey, thanks so much for joining us. Can you tell us a bit about your story and how you think the pill impacted on your mental health? So I probably started taking the pill when I was around 18 years old. So I guess I was kind of a late bloomer in that regard. But when I did go on the pill, I was probably on it for about two years and I probably tried about three, four different pills and every one of them I had really negative side effects. I'm an anxious person as it is and as, as soon as I started taking the pill, I it was a d- completely different type of anxiety than what I usually experience and I also started feeling quite depressed And at first, I thought it was my circumstances. I thought it was contextual. I didn't actually link it to the pill at first. I was just experiencing these bouts of unexplainable sadness. Like usually when I was, you know, know, everybody goes through ups and downs, but this was sustained and it was had no logical explanation as to why I was feeling so upset and why I was feeling so anxious. So I started doing, I guess, the um, rhythm method. I've had a couple of scares where... You know, I've been late on my period and I'm thinking, oh my God, I'm going back to my, like my, um, app. I'm doing this math to figure out and I've gone, holy shit, there is actually a really good chance that I am pregnant, like according to, you know, all of the calculations and stuff like that. So, um, that's just as scary because yeah, you're just relying on yourself. Now, there's been a a big rise in the amount of information, not just about the pill and the possible impacts of the pill on women, but also in natural uh, contraceptive methods on apps like TikTok and Instagram. What have you seen in that space? And have you taken any of those messages and information to heart? TikTok and social media is like a minefield because you look at one video and it's one person saying, you know, somebody advocating for the natural tracking cycle thing. And 
you know, they, they'll say things like, oh, if you're not doing it natural, then you're going to be infertile later on in life. And then you look at the next video and it's somebody else saying it's completely safe, it's completely fine. Um, it's just such conflicting advice. You know, in a sort of sense, I think there needs to be more like regulation about what people are allowed to put on social media and TikTok because not everybody is a health professional, but you cannot make that distinction as a user. You have no idea what credentials a person has. And if you're like me, you, you take everything seriously until you're proven wrong. So um, I think there needs to be more work done to to stop just random people giving out health advice on social media as well. That was Kelsey Menzies, a 25-year-old who went off the pill and is now on the rhythm method after she developed worsened anxiety. Now let's bring in Professor Jayshree Kulkarni from Monash Uni, who's been leading research in this area. First up, how does the contraceptive pill work and why do some women have negative reactions or negative uh, responses to it? So the contraceptive pill, there are two types. There's the combined oral contraceptive pill and the contraceptive pill. So the combined oral contraceptive pill has both oestrogen and progesterone, two of the major female hormones. And the oestrogen works uh, by stopping ovulation and progesterone makes the implantation in the uterus, it changes the uterine lining uh, to, again, not happen. So you get a contraceptive effect by not ovulating therefore the egg cannot be fertilized even if it is fertilized the uterine lining will not allow implantation progesterone only pill and there are some of those around and they're called the mini pill uh, they work more on the uterine lining and may not in fact influence the ovulation but what we've got to also remember is these hormones work very, very strongly in the brain. They are potent, what we call neurosteroids. So they're steroid hormones and they work in the brain. And this is why many women find that when they're on certain types of the pill, that they actually experience for the first time ever crushing depression or a relapse of a previously well-handled and well-treated depression. So is it certain types of pill that, that's causing these problems? I think we have to keep in mind that it's certain types of pill, but it's also certain types of women in that not every woman is sensitive or as sensitive to fluctuations or changes in the hormone chemistry. So this is a complicating factor because, you know, many times people go, well, I was on that pill and nothing happened. So it is a variation in the individual and there's also the variation in the pill. So a number of the pills contain the progesterone, synthetic progesterone component is known as progestin. And the progestins all vary and they're actually the bad guys, if we want to get simplistic, that the progestins are the bad guys in terms of creating depression of de novo, like out of the blue, or in fact making it worse. Oestrogen tends to be good for the brain and it tends to be uh, what we call neuroprotective. So it does tend to have a good effect. So this is why it's important that if you're a woman who carries that vulnerability that you are actually sensitive to uh, hormone fluctuations and you would know it if you had PMDD, that terrible premenstrual depression, or if you just know that you've tried a pill and you felt sad, then you have got that vulnerability. So it's important to look around for the progestin that doesn't create the problem. 
I know that it's so hard as a woman. You go to your GP and you have that chat with with your doctor about what kind of pill to go on, and it's essentially a bit of a roll of the dice. You, um, you kind of it's a suck it and see approach most of the time. How can we approach this in a better way? You're absolutely right that it is a roll of the dice, but if you are feeling just, you know, not yourself on the pill and if you do feel down, if you feel like you're living life in the grey, and these are all comments that have been made to me, then it is not you. It is possibly the pill and you need to make that point very clear to your treating doctor. And then you need to actually ask your treating doctor for a pill that doesn't have the depressive progestin and there's really only one on the market. You need to avoid avoid the pills that are progestin only because if you take my simplistic explanation that the progestin is the bad guy it sort of is worse if you haven't got the counteracting good guy the estrogen so the mini pills and the progestin only contraceptives which include the straw that goes under the skin it includes the IUD not the copper IUD but the other one that has progestin as part of it then you're at worse risk because there's no good guy estrogen to balance. You mentioned that one pill that was mood neutral. Which one is it? If I'm allowed to mention its name on air, its trade name is Zoli, Z-O-E-L-Y, and it's not on the uh, PBS, so it's a more expensive pill. Now, this is in the woman who's vulnerable, and I've got to stress that because many, many, many women will not be vulnerable to the impact of changing fluctuations of hormones, and so they can sail on by with whatever pill is prescribed. Yeah, waiting until you are experiencing those adverse effects, though, you know, especially if it's crushing depression, that's sort of like shutting the the gate after the horse has bolted. Is there a better way? Like, should there be some better sort of risk assessment for women who are thinking about going on the pill? So there's a couple of things in your history that might point you in the direction of you're going to have more problem. One is if you have early life trauma, that is if you've had early life emotional trauma, difficult parenting, difficult bonding to your own primary carers, if there's been physical abuse, sexual abuse, then you are more likely to have a sensitivity towards fluctuations. The other thing is if you do have premenstrual syndrome, and that's the bloating, headache, mild irritability before actually a period occurs, then you are probably more likely to be sensitive to your hormones. So they're two clinical pointers. Yeah, given the confusion in this space and the bad rap, I guess, that the pill is getting from women who have had that that dreadful experience of um, mental health issues, I guess it's no wonder that there's been a bit of an explosion in the promotion of other contraceptive methods on social media. What are your concerns around some of these natural methods like, I guess, the withdrawal method or the rhythm method? We know that, in fact, in uh, more established relationships, the barrier contraception, that is condoms or even diaphragm with spermicide gel, is uh, an option. But they both kind of require a bit of stop and organise and then get on with the asexual activity. And that can be really difficult in the in the exciting sort of um, <sighs> quick, quick relationships. That yeah, it's a bit of a passion killer, isn't it? Sure is. <laughs> So this is what worries me, and particularly in the young women, you know, that's where I think we're going to have real issues. And the rhythm method, how effective is that? Absolutely terrible. 
because the menstrual cycle is, you know, very much determined by a whole range of external events. Uh, how stressed are you? Did you get enough sleep? What have you been drinking? What have you been eating? Have you has your weight gone up? Or, you know, or down, or all sorts of things. And therefore, it's not reliable. I think it's really awful when somebody goes through a whole month buying pregnancy tests and fervently hoping that she's not and getting anxious and then, you know, a whole chain of events is set into place and it's just awful. That was Professor Jayshree Kulkarni from Monash University. And uh, if you were scrambling to write down in the notes of your phone or finding a piece of paper in your car or wherever you're listening to this to write down the name of that mental health neutral pill that she mentioned, it was called Zoli, which is Z-O-E-L-Y. Not that we're endorsing any particular type over another. You should, of course, go and see your doctor to see if this one is right for you. But I, I just did a Google of how expensive that one is is because it's not on the PBS and it actually is quite pricey when you compare it to other pills. Chemist Warehouse is advertising it for nearly $88. So that's going to be really prohibitive for a lot of people. So yeah, a huge amount more work definitely needs to be done in this space. All right, that's it for today. Thanks so much for joining us. Tomorrow, we're going to be chatting about the growing divide in the Anglican Church. Listener.